Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. I'm thankful for that. We are on a series called Guardrails. And guardrails protect you from disaster just as guardrails on a road can protect you from disaster. How many of you know it's better to bump into the guardrail than to go over the cliff? Come on, somebody. Amen. And uh, two weeks ago, uh, I was gone last week. I heard Pastor Chris. I actually listened to the message. Did a great job. Preached a powerful message. But two weeks ago, I talked about guardrails in marriage. And if you are married or plan to be married and you miss that message, would you please go back and watch it? You can listen to it on Spotify or podcasts or watch it on Facebook or YouTube. I believe it would be well worth your while. So guardrails not only protect you, but they also direct you. A great example is that of King David. King David had a personal guardrail that he would be respectful of whoever the king was. Now, who was the king when David was growing up? Israel's first king, his name was Saul. All right. Uh, A verse in the Bible, 1 Samuel 24, 10. David said, I will not lift my hand against my master because he is the Lord's anointed. So this was locked in his heart. I will not say anything bad or do anything harmful to the king. Did that get tested in David's life? Yeah, why? Because King Saul tried to kill him. King Saul recognized that David was going to take his place. And King Saul felt the only way to preserve his kingship was to get rid of David And David even had opportunities to kill Saul. And David's men said, do it. But because David had that guardrail locked in his heart, he said, I won't touch the king's anointing. How do you know if he'd have killed Saul? It would have messed everything up. You understand? But he was respectful with that guardrail in place even when tested. Saul eventually died. What happened to David? Yeah, God, God let him become king, and I believe God blessed his kingship in large part because of the fact that he was respectful. So with a personal guardrail in place, you lock that standard of behavior, and then the Holy Spirit in your conscience help you. Give, give you another example, especially for anybody new here, just to catch you up. Two weeks ago, I said as one of the guardrails in a marriage, you, should, you shouldn't be flirting with the opposite sex if you're married. Two of you. Well, let's say you have that guardrail. And let's say one day at work, the cute girl says something a little flirty to you. And you answer back with something a little flirty. And your conscience and the Holy Spirit remind you of that guardrail. Hey, you're married. Hey, what kind of a Christian example is that to her? And you're immediately convicted and you say, you know, no more. Okay. So the guardrail protected you because how many of you know at that point your marriage is still intact? But how many of you know if you go down that road, it may not be? That is the beauty of guardrails. So today I want to talk on this beautiful 4th of July Freedom Sunday about spiritual guardrails. How many of you are grateful for the freedom that we have in, in the United States of America to worship freedom? Hey, listen, how many of you know 
that that religious freedom that we have is under heavy attack. To the point, I'm not even sure, unless a real move of God hits our nation, that it may not erode more in coming years. I'm prepared for the day when I could be arrested for preaching the word of God because it's not in alignment with political correctness. Do any of us really know for sure where America's headed? Okay, that being said, now listen to me. You can't control what you can't control. But there are some things you can do in your personal spiritual life to protect the greatest gift that you have ever received. And that greatest gift is Jesus Christ. So when we talk about putting into place personal spiritual guardrails, we're talking about doing some things to protect the gift of Jesus that resides inside of you. Amen? Matthew 13, 45 and 46 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Now we know in the Bible who the pearl of great price is. Who is the pearl of great price? Say his name. Jesus. That was pretty weak. Who's the pearl of great price? Jesus. One more time. Who's the pearl of great price? Jesus. How many of you know when you find something of great value, it's worth protecting? So today as I talk about spiritual guardrails, I'm talking about putting some things into place to protect the glorious life of Jesus that saved you, that's working in you, and that is your gift to eternal life on the other side of this life. Can you say amen? Amen. You see, you don't just wake up one day and realize you're far from God. If you were once saved. You get there through a process of, of, of surpassing spiritual things or boundaries that you should have had in place. Till, till one day you're like, how did I get here? You got here because you didn't have some spiritual guardrails that would have gotten your attention to say, hey, wake up. You're headed for trouble. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this. So, if you think you are standing firm, be careful. Say, be careful. Be careful. How are you going to be careful? You're going to put some spiritual guardrails in place that you don't fall. You know, the Bible says that in the last days, there's going to be a great, say great, great. falling away. A great falling away. How are you going to prevent you from being part of that great falling away. Say spiritual guardrails. Spiritual Alright. So today we're going to talk about four spiritual guardrails. Here's number one. There should be scriptures by the way on the back of your sheet. Points and scriptures should be there. If you want to follow along. Or you can just listen. Spiritual guardrail number one. I'm going to lock into place the fact. That I'm going to live. By this book. The Bible. The word of God. That I believe God revealed himself really through three major means. He revealed himself through creation so that you'd look around and know that he is. He gave you the Bible so that you'd know what he's like and how you can get to know him. And then he gave us Jesus. But if you want to learn about the life of Jesus, where are you going to have to look? Yeah, in the Bible. 
Okay? So this is how God has chosen to reveal himself to mankind. Good spot for an amen. amen. All right. Now listen. Think, think about this for a moment. Who gets to decide what is right and what is wrong? Who, who gets to draw that line? If you say man does, then the next question is, which man? Do you? Do you? And who's to say you're right if I don't agree with that line, if it's in the hands of man? What happens when the pedophile says, I want to bring the line over here? Who are you to say they shouldn't if it's in the hands of man? Come on. Are you with me this morning? Okay. The Bible says, how many of you ever read the book of Job? Okay, book of Job. Of course, some really terrible things happen to Job. He loses his family, loses his health, loses his possessions. And then three of his friends come along, if you want to call them friends. And they basically say to Job, hopefully that's not one of yours in the parking lot, all right? They basically say to Job, Job, the reason you, you have so much trouble is because you've sinned against God. And a whole bunch of chapters in Job deal with, deal with his friends saying you've sinned against God and Job saying, no, I'm a righteous man. How many of you have ever read the book of Job and said this has to end soon? Come on. But in the end, God speaks. And God is not happy with Job's free friend. His three friends. And God says this. Who do you guys think you are. To give counsel in my place. Were you there. When I created the heavens and the earth. To which Job's friends replied. Nothing. Were you there when I created the seas. And, and, and made the clouds. To carry the water inland. Where does light and darkness live. Can you go to that place God says. Do you have anything to do with the billions of stars that are up there? To which Job's friend replied, nothing. All right? Because in that moment, God made it plain to Job's three friends that he is God and God alone. And God alone has the right to draw that line and determine what right is and what wrong is. And we live in a day and age when the society is taking that from the hands of God and putting it in the hands of man. And our society is becoming a huge, huge mess. And if you don't lock into place that you're going to live by the word of God, you will slowly be eroded by the pressure of political correctness in this world. And you will find yourself one day on the wrong side of the line. Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Put your hands together. It's going to clap together. Does not the God who created us loves us Sent his only son to die for us. Have the right to say, this is how you ought to live. If you want my blessing. And any other way is trouble. That's why when Paul wrote to Timothy, he said these words. All scripture, say all. All, all scripture is God breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, some questions for you this morning. Are there instructions in this word 
for your marriage. You say, well, where are they? You know the great benefit of the day and age? You can Google Bible instructions for marriage and the verses will be right there. Are there instructions in this book for raising children? Are there instructions for how a believer ought to work at their workplace? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the answers are there. The question is, are you committed to living by it? And will you take the time when you face crossroads in your life to actually look into the Word of God for the answers that it provides? Come on, it's awfully quiet out here at the moment. Amen? Now listen, one of the great ways that Eastern Assembly over the years has helped people to become more biblically literate. Biblically literate means you have a, a better understanding of what God says. Is through our Sunday school. And unfortunately because of COVID. We, we've had to kind of shut down. We're probably at a place we can open right now. But summer's not the best time to start something. People coming and going. But we are planning on relaunching Sunday school. The second Sunday in September. Alright. So... Sign up for classes will begin either the last week in July or the first week in August. It's coming up and, and we, in order, listen, it's just important that you know what this book says about the situations in life that you're going to face. Do you say amen? amen? Not only how to live, but you know the Bible gives us instructions into how to come into a relationship with God. You say, Pastor, what does it say? In, in, in a shortened version, it says this. It says, you're not in a relationship with God because you've sinned against God. Amen. Sin has separated you from God. Come on. But Jesus did something so that your sin could be forgiven. What did he do? Somebody say, he died on the cross. And he rose again in victory. And if you will receive for yourself what he has done, open up your heart. You will be forgiven. The life of God will enter you, and you will receive the free gift of eternal life. Come on, somebody. I, I was thinking this week, June is actually, I know we're in July now, but, but June is actually uh, the month that I got saved uh, some 41 years ago. And you know, on the Sunday night when I got saved, I can't say that I had a great emotional experience. I didn't really feel anything. I, I, I was very sincere. I said, Jesus, come in. I need you. But you know, the next morning when I woke up, I said to myself, something's different. Something's changed. I, I, I don't feel the same. There's, there's something in me that wasn't there before. Come on, somebody say Jesus. Yes. How many know what he did for me? He'll do for somebody in the house today. I guess in the house is inappropriate. Out of the, he'll do somebody out of the house today. Come on, somebody. Amen. So guardrail number one. Trying to help you this morning. I want you to stand and not fall. Is I'm going to lock into place. That this book. Is where I'm going to look. For instruction. Direction. And moral values. Can you say amen? amen. Guardrail number two. Is that I will be committed. Say committed. committed. To daily devotions. Daily devotions are the time you spend with Jesus. Each day. In prayer. And in the word. Amen. I want to encourage you, if possible, to start your day with Jesus. Okay. How, how many of you have ever, let me rephrase that. How many of you have never heard of the principle of the firsts? Never heard of the principle of the first? You don't have to be ashamed. I want to help you. All right. The principle of the first is God deserves our first 
and our best. You read in the Old Testament, when you brought a sacrifice, you brought your firstborn animal, and it had to be the best, the first and the best, okay? All right, think about this with me. What day of the week are we gathered here? Yeah, which is first day of the week, okay? So you are giving to God the first day of your week. You're starting it out in worship. We'll talk more about that in a few moments, okay? How many of you know God deserves the first of your finances? It's called the tithe. You give God your first and your best, all right? And this principle also applies to the day, all right? Listen to this, Psalm 5-3. In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Now listen, moment of honesty. If I had to be at work at 5 a.m., I probably wouldn't be having morning devotions. So even though I'm recommending this, I understand there are exceptions, and it's not like God closes the door at noon and says I'm no longer available. You understand that? Wave your hand at me if you understand that, all right? So, so I believe a great way to start your way, your day is having morning devotions if possible. But if not possible, do it at some point during your day. So here's my question for this guardrail. How many days pass in your life before the alarm goes off that says you've not spent time in the Word and you've not spent time in prayer? Come on. Amen. One day? Two days? 10 days, 20 days, come on somebody. I'm not saying this to condemn you if you miss a day. I've told you before, Saturdays is a hard day for me. That's the one day I get to sleep in a little bit. I sleep in a little bit, the kids are up, they're roaring to go. I mean, I take time Saturday night to study for Sunday's message. That's really not devotions. Saturday, I don't beat myself up if I miss having devotions on Saturday. However... I feel that, and I want to get back on track, okay? Uh, uh, I'm not saying you have to call me if you've missed two days of devotion for a get-together and a forgiveness session. I'm just saying, is there something in you that says, hey, if I stop doing this for any distance, I feel. How I many you know, uh, when, if you don't talk to your spouse for five days, that's tough in today's world because of cell phones. But how many know there was a day in America that if you went away on a trip, it was much harder to communicate? And you'd feel that separation. Let me tell you what, what I love about spending time with Jesus. I love to be in his presence. How many know being with Jesus is the safest place in this world you can be? In his presence. I love that I can cast my cares on him. I love that he'll take all that I can just say, here, Lord. Take it. And God says, I'll take it. That's why I'm here. Come on, somebody. I want you to cast your cares. Come on, somebody. Huh. How many of you know you have, sometimes you have a friend that says, would you quit dumping on me? Right? Stop it. I mean, tell me a few problems, but don't dump all day long. Aren't you glad we serve a God that wants what we're going through? He wants you to bring it to him. Thank God. I love that I can pour out my request to him. I can pray for my spouse, my children, now my grandchildren, and he hears me. I love the peace that comes in his presence. Come on, somebody. Prayer and the word are not just the duty of every Christian. Listen to me. They are the privilege of every Christian. Come on, put your hands together. 
Think, think about how people want to talk to somebody important. Think about young people and the pictures they put in their, their bedrooms of somebody important, some superstar. Oh, if I could just have a few words with them. And the God of this universe opens the door wide and says, come and have all the words with me that you want. What a privilege it is. Can you say amen? amen. Now listen, Matthew 6, 6, this is Jesus' words. He said, when you pray. What, what assumption is there when Jesus says, when you pray? He didn't say, if you pray. He said, he, he's assuming that you're going to do it. Go into your room, close the door. What does that say about your personal devotions? Yeah, have it, have it somewhere where you and Jesus can be alone. Some bedroom, some basement, somewhere. Uh, how many of you have devotions on your way to work in the morning? Sometimes people utilize their drive time. And that's their, that's their time with the Lord. Uh, I mean, you can even get Bible apps that will read. You can listen to the Word while you're driving. Don't read your Bible while you're driving. But, but you can listen to it. All right? Go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Listen, listen to this. Listen to this incredible ending to this verse. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, listen now, will reward you. God says, you spend time with me, and there'll be a reward. Yes. Pastor, what's, what's the reward? Listen, if the God of this universe says he's going to reward you, trust me, he's going to keep his word. Can you say amen? amen? Psalm 91 says this, he will call upon me, and I will answer him. But notice the condition. In order for him to answer, I'll read it again. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. In order to get the answer, there's something you must do. You have to call. Thank you, Tito. You have to call. Amen? So I'm asking you this morning, and, and, and we're going to be taking communion at the end of this service. And as we partake of communion, we're going to be reminded of what Jesus did in his commitment to have relationship with us. And we're going to evaluate, am I taking the steps that I need to take to guard the precious gift that he's freely given me. Amen? Amen. Guardrail number three. I will come and be involved in Jesus' church. I'm going to try it again. Just, just If you want to snowball, it's a good spot to say amen. <laughs> I will come and be involved in Jesus' church. You, you know what COVID has revealed? Say what, Pastor? What happened? That some people came to church, but they weren't committed to his church. It just got real quiet out here. Come on. COVID revealed something. COVID, I said it from the first weeks of COVID. COVID's going to be a time of testing. It's going to be a time of revealing. You're going to find out some things about yourself and your work, your walk with God as you walk through COVID. And that certainly has been true. Now listen, I, I'm thankful for the ability to live stream. Uh, it's the only way we, we got the message across for a couple months. I'm grateful if you're tuned in today. I'm grateful that if you're not feeling well, you can still watch at home. I'm grateful that if you're on vacation, you can tune in. Uh, I'm grateful if you're sick, whatever, there's methods. But listen to me. Listen, from the birth of the church in Acts chapter 2, God has always, say always, always. taken pleasure in his people gathered together for worship, to learn together, to grow together, and to reach their community together. 
You hear what I'm saying? That's, that's always been the heart of God. Oh, you say, Pastor, I just love sleeping into the last minute on Sunday morning, grabbing a cup of coffee, kicking my feet up on the couch, and watching church. Okay, that's what you love. What does God love? Think about heaven for a moment. Heaven is the great gathering of the family of God where we will be around the throne, every tribe, every race, every nation. It is going to be the greatest family reunion this world has ever known. And God will be glorified to have his children together with him forever. You see, at some point, listen to me, church. It's not about you anymore. What brings pleasure to God? If God is pleased by my gathering with my brothers and sisters and lifting up the name of Jesus together and growing together, if that brings pleasure to Him, it ought to bring pleasure to me. Come on, somebody. Amen? You've heard me say it before, but it's worth repeating. While some Christians are enjoying at-ease Christianity, somewhere in China, People are sneaking down streets to secretly gather in somebody's home, understanding that if they're found out, they can well be arrested and lose everything. Why do they do it? Why do they risk everything together? Because they know ultimately it brings glory to Jesus. And if it brings glory to Jesus, they're going to do it at any risk. Amen. I could take you to the mountain church. I wish I could take all of you. I don't know how some of you would fare on the horse ride. It's about four hours, but we could try. I wish I could take all of you up the mountain to a little church that we supplied funds to build in the high mountains of Honduras. And you'll talk and you ask them, how long did it take you to get to church this morning? And you'll hear some people say, it took me three hours to walk up the mountain to be here for this service. And when that service is over, sometimes in the night, they will walk three hours through the jungle mountains of Honduras to go home. And if you were to say to them, is it worth it? What are they going to say? To be with my brothers and sisters, to experience the presence of God, to grow together. It is worth it. Listen to this verse in Acts chapter 2. It says this. They, they was the church. The church devoted themselves To the apostles teaching. Now how did they get the apostles teaching? Not a hard question. How did they get the apostles teaching? They had to go get the. Listen to the apostles. You understand they had to gather together. And to the fellowship. Okay so they were devoted to the apostles teaching. To fellowship. To the breaking of bread. And to prayer. All those things were done. Somebody say in person. In person. Amen. Listen. Here's the question. How many weeks can you be out of church before you feel the Holy Spirit nudging you? Come on. It's got, it's got to be a personal guardrail. Listen, how many of you know, how many of you about my age or so remember a time when there was a lot of stuff closed on a Sunday? All right, come on. I don't want to be the only old person in the room here. Right? Yeah, I mean, you, you'd say to yourself, man, I should have got groceries yesterday. Why? Because the stores closed today, all right? And there was a general sense of honoring Sunday, the Lord's Day. That is no longer true at all in our culture. 
So if you're going to honor the Lord's Day, it's because you're going to set up a personal guardrail that says, I'm going to say no to some things so I can say yes to that which honors God. Come on, somebody. Now listen, I'm not trying to condemn somebody that your employer says you have to work on a Sunday. Thank God you can catch up to the broadcast. Thank God for Wednesday nights. You understand? I'm not saying this is a source of condemnation on things you don't have control over. But there's plenty of things on a Sunday that you do have control over. Hello. Come on. I will honor the Lord. I will honor the Lord on this, the Lord's day. Can somebody in the house say amen? Amen. Here's what the word of God says. And I need a drink. It says this in Hebrews 10.25. Let us not give up meeting together. Okay, so if it says let us not give up, then you have to put some guardrails to protect that. As some of you in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Can somebody in the house say amen? amen? Guardrail number four. And lastly, I am going to put a guardrail in place. That if I find myself struggling in a way that I can't seem to get out of, I'm going to be open and find somebody I trust and confess the struggle that I'm in and have them pray for me and be accountable to him. Listen to Proverbs or her. Proverbs 28, 13. He who conceals his sins does not prosper. Say does not prosper. Does not prosper. But who, whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. One of the things that I'm thankful for that I believe has changed about church. I believe there was a day and age when people went to church and they put on a certain facade that everybody at church would think they're exceedingly spiritual. Even if they weren't. You understand? I, that, that was the day. Like You didn't want to tell anybody you struggled because your thought was... Everyone else there is living really well, but I'm the only one struggling, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. I'm grateful for a fresh and I believe godly openness uh, in today's world by which people feel more open to say, man, I'm struggling. Because uh, if I were to ask the question, how many of you have struggles? You know, everybody's hand goes up except a couple of liars in our midst. Come on, somebody. And, and, and listen. You know, thank God for a day and age. And I hope you are a Christian that if someone came to you and said, man, I'm struggling, you wouldn't be like. You'd say, thank you for thank you for trusting me. What is your struggle? And can, can I help somebody today? Say, go ahead, Pastor. In today's world, that struggle could be anything and everything. Right. And I'm just thankful that someone Trust me enough to open up about that struggle. I'm not surprised anymore. I think I've heard about every struggle somebody could have. Maybe, maybe not. I think I have. I'm not shaken. I don't drop my jaw. I just say thank you for trusting me. Let's pray together. Let's believe together. Let's see what the word of God says. God wants to help you and not hurt you. Can you say amen? amen. You ever know anybody that went to the doctor? And, you know, the doctor says, man, you're, you're really sick. Did you, did you have any pains prior to this? And the guy, yeah, I had lots of pains, but I just didn't want to come. 
And the doctor's like, if you'd come when those pains started, uh, we could have you in a lot better shape than you are now. Well, that same truth applies spiritually. When you find yourself struggling a little, that's a good time. When you find yourself caught in something that you can't seem to get out of, you say, Pastor, I've asked God 50 times to deliver me from this. Well, that ought to be a good sign. It's time to bring this thing into the light and out of darkness. Come on, somebody. By trusting somebody. The same is true spiritually. One of the reasons we do small groups is to cultivate relationships where people feel safe to open up. Amen. So if I ask you, is it a guardrail in your life? If I'm struggling and, and I feel like I'm stuck, I'm not going to hide that. I'm going to open up. Come on, somebody. It's a good guardrail to have. So I'm asking you this morning, is your pastor somebody who cares about you? Is somebody who expects to see your face around that throne in heaven? In a service, maybe something like this, in a beautiful day in heaven. Come on, somebody. One of the things that you need to do in your journey to get there is to make sure you have some guardrails locked in. So that if you begin to wander or go astray, that alarm goes off. Beep, beep, beep. Come on, somebody. Man, I, I, I've, I've been making some decisions. And I haven't even looked what the Bible says. I'm giving you some examples of, of what those guardrails would go off. Man, forgive me, Lord. I locked into place that this is the book I'm going to live by. I need to find out what the Bible says about this. Come on, somebody. Couple days pass, and, and and you've just been busy. You've forgotten about time with Jesus, and that little that little voice inside says, "Don't don't wander too far from me." I love you, friend. I've given my life for you. Just lock that door and get alone. Amen. Again, how, how many how many weeks do you miss church till something inside of you says, "Man, I got to get back to that place of fellowship." I got to get back to that place of teaching. Now, my wife and I, we live in Old Dundalk. And there's been a couple times over the years we've lived there that I've forgotten to lock my car doors. And not every time, but a couple times. I've noticed when I've gone out the next morning that somebody was in my car. And I'll know that because the glove box will be open and there'll be some papers on the floor and Normally, somebody just looking for some change or looking for a few dollars. God protected me one time. I left my wallet in there, and it wasn't touched. I thank you, Jesus. But listen, when I lock my door, that doesn't happen. Now, I know there's some occasions of people breaking windows and stealing cars. I know there's the extreme. But in general, you can you can avoid a lot of trouble just by locking your car door. How many of you with me? How many of you live in a neighborhood, right? So what, I, what I'm presenting you this morning is just a way to lock that car door spiritually. Just to put some things in place so that you won't one day wake up and say to yourself, how did I get so far from God? I talked to someone a number of years ago. It's actually a pastor that had, had taken a pretty, pretty big fall from grace. And I, I had met with them and I, I said, how? How did you get to this place? And they said one of the big things is 
I stopped spending time with Jesus. I, I became a professional pastor. I knew how to preach. I knew how to look good on a Sunday morning. But behind the scenes, my spiritual life was eroding. I don't want that to be you. I don't want that to be me, church. So I'm going to ask at this time, Joey's there, Rick is here. Is there anybody who doesn't have communion in your hand? I actually need one, Rick. Rick, I actually need one. Anybody who needs communion? These guys are going to come around. Joey's going to come around. Just keep your hands raised. We'll wait a moment. Rick, over this way, I see there's some folk. We just want to get one of these in everybody's hand who desires to partake of communion. We'll just take a minute. Just keep your hand raised. If you're at home and you're watching this broadcast, this is an opportunity for you to grab a cracker of some juice of some kind so that you can walk through this at home as well with us. Just keep those hands up. Joey, I see some in the to my right in the back back there. He's coming your way. Thank you, Lord. Just keep those hands up. We're going to get to all of you. Thank you for your patience. Now, while they're while they're finishing, making sure that everybody has a communion cup, let me just talk to you for a moment. These emblems that you hold in your hand, and yes, in the top there is a wafer there and then the juice at the bottom. They are symbolic of what Jesus, the price that Jesus paid so that he could give to us the gift of eternal life. That he could give to us the gift of relationship with him. How we understand that? The wafer represents his body that was broken and whipped mercilessly. So that our cares and our hurts and our sicknesses and our diseases were put upon him. And the Jews represent his, help me, his blood that was shed. That's Jesus, not just commitment, but his covenant that says, I will stick with you. I will have relationship with you. You don't ever have to worry that one day God's going to look at you and say, nah, I'm done with you. Come on, somebody. How I many know he's there? He's faithful. Faithful is not just something he does. It's who he is. He is faithful and he is true. And with communion in our hands and an understanding of what he's done, then we have to look into our own heart and say, okay, God, that's what you've done. What have I done to protect the gift that you've given me? What have I done to make sure, Lord, that your precious word is where I look to guide me to, to determine right and wrong in my own life. To guide my marriage. To guide my parentship, Lord. What have I done to protect the time that I spend with you, Lord? Anybody in a, in a good marriage will do some things to protect time that they spend with their spouse. So that their relationship grows. Lord, what have I done to make sure I don't find myself out of fellowship one day? Far, uh, miss church so much that, I, that, it's, that I've lost the habit. It doesn't even feel anymore. Lord, what can I lock into place so that doesn't happen? But with every head bowed, every eye closed. Before we partake of being, would you take a moment? To talk to the Lord about your personal guardrails.
your personal spiritual guardrails. And, and if something I've said this morning, there's not a personal guardrail in place in that area. Would you lock it in right now? The Holy Spirit will help you. Say, Lord, forgive me that I've made decisions, so many, too many decisions, without even looking to what you had to say about it. Forgive me, Lord, that, that you know, if I have devotions every couple weeks, Lord, I, 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 God, help me. I want to grow in my relationship with you. I want to treasure you. God, I pray that, that guardrails, spiritual guardrails would be locked into place this day to protect the most precious gift we've ever received. And that's you, Lord. So what I want you to do, church, I want you to carefully, it's a little tricky, just open the clear part at the top to, so you can get the wafer out. Would you do that? And then just hold it up once you do that. I'm going to wait for you. Now, with, with your wafer held up, I want you just to tell Jesus that you're thankful that his body was broken, that he was bruised for our healing so that I could be emotionally whole, I could be spiritually whole, and I could be physically whole. Thank you for the price that you paid, Lord. We give you praise together, Lord. In Jesus' name. Can we partake together, please? so you can get at least enough to, to drink. And Lord, we're reminded that the covenant we have with you was signed with your own blood. That means you'll never take it back, God. When you say, I'll never leave you or forsake you, God, you can take that to the bank. When you said, God, if you call, I'll answer, you can take it to the bank. And so, Lord, because we treasure what you've done for us, we lock into place some behaviors in our inner man to help protect that which is precious to us. And there's nothing more precious to us than you, Jesus. So we partake right now, Father, with gratitude and thanksgiving. Once you've done that, would you stand to your feet this morning? You put your cup down somewhere. There's garbage cans around. You can you can just get them too after service. Would you just lift your hands with me one more one final time before we bring this service to an end? And with your own words, would you tell the Lord you're grateful for the precious gift of Jesus that was freely given to you on the day that you called out? Listen, if you're here this morning and you don't know Him, even this morning, you can open the door of your heart, commit yourself, recommit yourself. It's as simple as crying out to Him, Jesus, I need a Savior. I need You, Lord. He's going to hear you because He's faithful. And Lord, my heart as a pastor 
I want to see people reached with the good news. I want to see people grow. God, I want to see them grow. And we grow, God, by putting some guards around our spiritual life. Help us, Lord. Father, we recognize the day we live in, crazy days, but faithful God. Did you hear me, church? Crazy days, but faithful God. And with your faithfulness, God, we're going to move forward. We bless you. We thank you. And we praise you.